It was a high holy day in Jerusalem, a feast that the Hebrew people had celebrated for generations. And as the festivities commenced down at the street level, pilgrims from all across the known world gathered in at Jerusalem and circulated through the city. There were 120 disciples of Jesus Christ that were in an upper room and they were praying and reading the word together and they were waiting for a fresh and new experience of God's spirit. The scripture says the day of Pentecost arrived, that feast day, and it was the 10th day of their prayer meeting. They'd been in prayer for 10 days together. In Acts chapter 2, in the New Living Translation, says suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. What happened in that moment on the day of Pentecost that we read about in Acts chapter 2 is God's promised Holy Spirit was poured out on those disciples and it opened up a new era in God's plan to redeem and save humanity from the power and curse of sin. Today I want to preach to you from Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that after you repent and are baptized, you must be filled with the Holy Spirit just like they were at the day of Pentecost. That your work of salvation that God desires to do in your life is not complete until you've received the gift of God's Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says this in the New King James Version. In Him, that's in Jesus, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. Verse 11, in him... Also, we have obtained an inheritance. Everybody say an inheritance. Being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Verse 13, in him you also trusted after you believed the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. I want to focus on those last four verses, 11, 12, 13, and 14. I want to preach to you this morning about when you receive the Holy Spirit. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you may be seated. There's... There doesn't need to be any confusion this morning. The Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost are the same thing. It's the same thing. So many times you'll hear us say Holy Ghost and other times you'll hear us say Holy Spirit because the Bible does. And most of the time I endeavor to say Holy Spirit because the Bible, most modern translations will say Holy Spirit. And uh, in this day and age, it's worth saying it that way because there are a lot of spirits. There's a lot of spirits in the world today, 
There's a lot of renewed interest in spiritualism. Spirits are real. And many of them will attach themselves to your life and start to destroy your life and destroy your relationship with God. Not every spirit is from God. And you need the Holy Spirit. You need that spirit that is God, that is from God, that wants to live and dwell inside of you. Because the Holy Spirit, whereas these other spirits in the world might attach themselves and, and, and start to sow death and destruction into your life, the Holy Spirit gives life. The Holy Spirit doesn't promote depression but it lifts your humanity and reminds you that you were created in the image of God. You are God's prized possession. And there's no need this morning to dabble in other spirits. There's only one spirit that you need contact with. There's only one spirit that needs to be connected to your life, and it's God's spirit. He is all you need. Sometimes we'll use different phrases to describe what we mean when we say, uh, that you receive the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you'll hear us say you receive the Holy Spirit. Sometimes uh, you'll hear us say you be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, sometimes baptized with the Holy Spirit. Other times you'll hear it said that the Holy Spirit dwells, indwells, inside, or that the Holy Ghost has been poured out into somebody's life or upon a region. And all of those phrases are pointing to the same experience. That receiving the Holy Spirit is a gift from God. And it's an experience that everyone can and should have. Because it is necessary to be saved. When you receive the Holy Spirit, it's going to be because you hear and believe the Word of God. It's not something that we're naturally inclined to. Because in our natural condition, we're sinful. We're eat up with sin. We've got it. We have a spiritual disease. And in our natural condition that we find ourselves in by default, we are not able to know what we need spiritually. You know, some kids, whenever they're little, they think they need, you know, candy corn. That that's one of the main food groups or something. And what we know as grown people that you can't, that's, that's not what you need. But sometimes a child in their immature condition, in their ignorance, will think they know what they need, but they really don't know what they need. And so that's the way we are when we are separated from God, when we are not in a relationship with God and we haven't been born again. We are in that compromised condition that sin puts us in. And most of the time, you'll have an idea of what you think you need, but it's not really what you need. What you really need is the gift of the Holy Ghost. What you really need is to be born again of the water and of the Spirit. And in order for you to come to that revelation, you need to hear and believe what the Word of God says. You're not going to hear it on cable news. You're not going to hear it anyplace else. You're going to hear the truth from the Word of God. God's plan of salvation is right here in the pages of Scripture. And when we hear the Word of God, and when we believe the Word of God, God can really start to do something in your life. That's why Ephesians chapter 1, if you still have your Bibles open, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13 tells us, In Him you also trusted after. When did you trust in Him? After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. That's why Romans chapter 10 verse 14 
says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Thank God for preachers. Thank God that somebody preached God's word to you. Whenever that was, whenever it took place, you were in a sinful, fallen condition and you thought you knew what you needed, but it turns out you didn't have a clue. But there was a preacher that preached the word of God and explained to you what God's word said you really needed most of all. That you needed to be born again of the water and of the spirit. And it's only through God's plan of salvation that all the destructiveness in your life could be dealt with. That's why Acts chapter 8 tells us a story of a man named Philip that meets an Ethiopian guy. And Philip ran to him in Acts chapter 8 verse 30 and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? And the Ethiopian said, how can I understand it unless someone guides me? And then Philip got up in the chariot And helped him understand what the word of God was saying to him. See, the word of God tells us that there's going to be different stages that happen whenever we come to the revelation that I can't do it on my own. The first thing that's going to happen is you're going to hear about it. You're going to hear the word of God preached and expounded in your hearing. You know, there's a difference between, there's a difference between hearing and really hearing. We all know the difference, don't we? I think that what the Bible is describing when it says hearing, with regards to hearing the word of God, hearing the gospel, I think it means it wasn't just that something hit your eardrums. But it means that when I was in a setting like this, I was, I was there. You know it's possible to be somewhere and not really be there? It's possible to be in church, but to be somewhere else. When we're in church, we need to be in church. Let me just preach to everybody here for a minute. I, this isn't just for somebody that maybe you need the experience, the first time experience of being filled with the Holy Ghost. We all need the word of God. We need a steady diet of God's word. We need God's word preached and taught to us on a weekly basis. We do. And because of that, when we come to church, we have to actually be here. We need to be here. And, and here's what's more. I'll meddle for a minute. It's a very good practice that when you're in church and the word of God is preached, it really doesn't matter what topic or what text it is. It's a very good practice that when there's a call for prayer, find a place to pray. Just make a practice of doing it 100% of the time. You know why that helps? Brother Joe, here's why it helps. It helps me. This helped me. Because sometimes I would be conscious about responding when the preacher makes a call to prayer and asks everyone to respond. Sometimes I would be conscious, Sister Mona, that everyone's going to think that everything he said was about me. (laughs) Just, can we have a human moment here? You know how you get rid of that? Just respond every time. Just every time, as soon as whoever's preaching says... Let's, let's start to pray. Let's, let's be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. Let's re- start to respond in faith to what God's speaking to us. That's when you just, you just step out of where you are, and you just start making your way somewhere, and you just start finding a place to pray. And that's, that's your camouflage. I'm just trying to help somebody right now. 
No, if you do that, then no one can ever point. You've got perfect cover because one of these days, there's going to be a message that does hit you right between the eyes. <laughs> it's going to happen. And when that happens, guess what? You, you have the liberty to respond exactly how you need to without, any, without your, this adversary being able to play head games with you and get you to think, man, everyone's going to think so poorly of you. Everyone's got, everyone, everyone knows that they just read your mail, that everything the preacher said, that, that's where you're living. That was right in your kitchen. The adversary likes to play games with us. I'm just trying to help somebody right now. We need a preacher. But what good is a preacher if we don't hear? And what good is it to hear if we let the adversary shackle us in self-consciousness? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The first thing is hearing, and the second thing is believing, and the third thing, I'm getting ahead of myself, is you're sealed. Hearing, believing, and sealing. Let me, let me make the example. Let me, let me make the point. Acts chapter 19, Paul rolls up in a city. And he comes across these disciples that are disciples of John the Baptist. They knew the baptism of repentance that John baptized with. And the Apostle Paul, in Acts chapter 19, verse 1, says it happened while Apollos was at Corinth. Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, I want you to hear. Receive the Holy Spirit, believed. And then what's their response? They said, we haven't even so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. So you've got hearing, believing, and then actually receiving or being sealed, which is what Ephesians says. You've got it all right there in Acts chapter 19. Once you hear and you believe, if you'll repent of your sins, you can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It was as simple as that for those gentlemen in Acts chapter 19. Because once they, once they heard... They said, we haven't even so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And so Paul slowed down and explained to them. He said, fellas, everything you've done with repentance is excellent. I don't want to invalidate the progress you've already made towards God. But there's more. He said, there's more. They said, we haven't even heard about it. Tell us about it. So he told them about Jesus Christ the gift of the Holy Ghost being poured out on everybody and God's spirit living and dwelling inside of human beings, empowering them, helping them live victorious over sin. He explained all of that to them. They heard it. They believed it. And then the scriptures record that they received the gift of God's spirit speaking in other tongues the same way they did in Acts chapter 2 at the day of Pentecost. I'm here to tell you today, you're just a step away from the greatest gift that God can ever give into your life. If you'll be here in the house and you'll actually hear what God's word says and you'll believe it. You can repent of your sins and be filled with the Spirit of God today, and it can change everything in your life. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you're sealed by God. Let me explain what I mean by that, that word sealed. It's in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 says that the, the Spirit of God is what seals us. The Holy Ghost is the seal of God on your life. 
Let me give you a way. I don't know if they've got the pictures. There's, there's some pictures. I wanted to give you an idea of what a seal was like. I'm not talking about the animal seal. I'm not going to bark like one. They were trying to get me to bark like one. Now, I'm not talking about the animal. I'm talking about a seal, okay? When you see that, if you get a piece of mail that has that seal on it, you know that it's official. You know that it carries some authority. That You, bought, you might ought to open that piece of mail and figure out what in the world's going on. Uh, what's the next slide? There's other types of seals that they used to use in, in the early days, uh, way back when. Sometimes they would be stamped with wax, and they would stamp it and seal it, and, and it was a way of sealing, of authenticating uh, the correspondence between uh, somebody who was royalty and whoever they were sending a piece of mail to. And that's what the Holy Ghost is like, and that's, that's sort of what the Apostle Paul has in mind when he tells us that the Holy Ghost is what seals, it's a seal over us. It, it, the seal means there's a difference between a piece of paper and a document that has a royal seal on it. It's like the difference between a piece of junk mail and a piece of mail that comes from the governor's office. There's a difference. The Apostle Paul is saying what the Holy Spirit does in your life is significant. It's, it's authoritative. It's God's way of authenticating and certifying. It's the royal seal. It's official business. It's a way to know for certain that God is doing something in your life. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you don't have to wonder if God is present and working in your life. Because when you receive the gift of God's Spirit, it is absolutely unmistakable. Because there's evidence of tongues. You're filled with the gift of God's Spirit... And the Word of God describes an experience where you speak in a language that you didn't learn on your own. It's unmistakable. You have that seal. There's something authenticating about it. There's something certified about it. And when you have that seal, that, put that picture of that one seal back up. When that seal is on your life, there's power and there's authority. That's why Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the end of the earth. There's an authority that a believer has whenever they're filled with the gift of God's Spirit. There's power that you have whenever God's Spirit is dwelling inside of you. I'm preaching this morning about when you are filled with the gift of God's Spirit, it changes everything. Receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost makes the difference. It makes all the difference. And let me tell you how. You might know the story of Simon Peter. Jesus prophesied and told Simon Peter, he said, Peter, before the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me. Before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Simon Peter says, no, no, Lord, I'm not going to do that. I'll even die with you. I'm not going to deny you. Well, they have Jesus in Pilate's Hall. He's under trial. They're questioning him. They're beating him. They're conducting that mock trial before his crucifixion. And Jesus is in that hall of government. And Simon Peter is just outside in the courtyard. He's standing, he's standing and setting around a fire, and it's the very, very early hours of the morning. The sun hasn't even come up yet. 
He's sitting around the fire, and they start to say, hey, you're one of those. And he said, no, 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 I'm not one of those. And they said, no, no, you, you've been with Jesus. And, no, 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 no. I, I'm not, I haven't been with Jesus. And then this little girl, this young maiden, says, wait a second, your speech, your accent, you're one of those that comes from that area. You're one of the ones that's been following him all this time. And Simon Peter says, absolutely not. And then the rooster crows, and, and he sees that the prophecy of Jesus has been fulfilled. He has denied him three times, and then he runs away. This young lady accuses him and tries to, to identify him as a follower, as a disciple of Jesus. And in the face of this young lady, this little girl accusing him, he can't bear the weight of it, and he runs away and hides, shamed feeling condemned. Then just over 50 days later, if we were just to fast forward, just over 50 days later, Simon Peter, the same guy, is standing and preaching on the day of Pentecost. There's a crowd of people. God is doing something that's so real. He has poured out his spirit on 120 people. They're speaking in tongues and there's something spiritually powerful that's taking place and God has authenticated it because there's supernatural signs following there's flames of fire and there's there's tongues and and the people down at street level they're thinking they're asking what in the world what's going on what does this mean who are these people they have questions they're wondering what in the world is going on and who is it that stands up and starts to give an explanation of what God is doing than Simon Peter Simon Peter stands up in front of the crowd that day of thousands of people and preaches a message to them that they don't want to hear. The essence of the message is Jesus Christ is the Messiah and you crucified him. Now who wants to hear that? That's, not, that's a little bit on the nose. Simon Peter is the one who stands up and preaches that message and explains to them that this Jesus whom they crucified is both Lord and Christ. And then it hits them right in the heart. And they say, we've heard it. We believe it. What do we need to do? And Simon Peter's the one that gives them the answer. He says, you need to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of God's Spirit. A bold, powerful message. Same guy that 50 days beforehand had run away from a little girl. What's the difference? He got the Holy Ghost. Between running away from a little girl and standing on the day of Pentecost preaching to a couple thousand people a message that was not going to be very popular, what is it that made the difference in his life that turned everything around, that changed everything about Simon Peter's life's direction? It was when he received the gift of God's Spirit. I want to tell somebody today, if you're not satisfied with the way that your life is going, you need to receive the Holy Ghost. I wish somebody that 
knew the power of the Holy Ghost. Somebody needs to, I wish we could stop and we could have an afternoon where we just went around the room and testified and let everybody say, you know what? Here's what my life was like before I received the Holy Ghost. Here's the direction my life was going before God got involved. But when I received the gift of the Holy Ghost, when God's Spirit started to live inside of me, it changed everything about my life. I want to tell somebody today, if you're not happy with the way life's going, if the facts don't agree with you, you need to receive the gift of God's Spirit in your life, and it is for you. There isn't any better piece of news than I can give somebody today than to say that the one thing that can change everything in your life is available today. You must receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I want to underscore before I move on the importance, though, of why this acts as a seal over us. This is something that changes everything. It authenticates. It certifies. It empowers. It emboldens us. It's a seal. The adversary, Satan, always has a counterfeit. It's something you need to know about him. He always has a counterfeit. He always has an alternative. That's why when you get to the end of the book and you're reading about how things wrap up at the end times, Revelation chapter 13 tells us that he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. And that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast Or the number of his name. The very next chapter says that a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. And they have no rest day or night who worship the beast in his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Satan always has a counterfeit to what God's doing. God has a seal that he wants to put on your life. He will put it on the life of every believer. And it's the seal of his spirit. Satan also has a counterfeit, an alternative. And the book of Revelation calls it a mark. Calls it a mark that goes on the right hand or the foreheads. It's what he uses to control people. It's what he uses to condemn them to an eternity in the lake of fire. Burns with fire and brimstone. The smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, it says. But God has a seal that he wants to put on your life. And it's when you receive his spirit and he resides in you. Now... I wish today that I could tell you an easier message, but I can't. There's a part of my humanity, just like a part of your humanity, that wishes that there was some kind of neutral ground that we could live in until we figured out what we wanted to do, what was when the right time came around. But I can't preach that message this morning. There is no neutral ground in the things of the Spirit. 
there's, not, there's only going to be two types of people in the end. There's going to be those who serve the Lord and are sealed by him. And there's going to be those that never received the seal of God, the Holy Ghost. And they instead were marked by the beast and started to take on his image and his form. And he's going, they're going to be condemned to the same fate as him in the lake of fire. There's no neutral ground. You either end up in one or the other with the mark or the name of the beast or with the seal of God, baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins and filled with the spirit of God. And if you will make a decision, if you will say, I'm not going to be a part of what this world has to offer. I'm not going to be a part of what the, how the world is marking and labeling and how they're shaping up, but I'm going to follow God and I'm going to take on the seal of God, the identity of Jesus Christ. I'm going to have his name called over me in water baptism. I'm going to have the spirit of God living and dwelling in my life. I want to be sealed and protected by God. If you will decide that instead, you will obtain an eternal inheritance. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 13 and 14 says, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. When you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you move from just knowing the mystery of his will, just hearing and believing, to obtaining an inheritance. I want to give somebody hope today and tell you that life may not have shaped up the way that you thought it was going to but you have an eternal inheritance that is waiting for you in glory. There's something beyond this life. I w Again, I, there's something about my humanity that wishes I could preach some of the same types of messages that I hear others preach and that gets preached all over the internet and all over TV about how you can have everything you, need, everything you want in this life right now. You just need to do this, that, or the other, and you can have it all. But the truth of the matter is, in this life, we can't have it all. We can't. We want to have it all. We want to have all the materials. We want to have all the possessions. We want to have all the money. We want to have all the fame. We want to have all the status. But hear me today. The, the Word of God doesn't promise any of those things in this life. But the Word of God promises an inheritance in eternity. And if you'll be sealed by God, if you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost... And you'll be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. You can obtain an eternal inheritance. Let me tell you a little bit about it. Romans chapter 8 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we also may be glorified together. Colossians chapter 1, also the words of the Apostle Paul says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. How has he qualified you? He qualifies you by filling you with his spirit. It's nothing about you, it's all about him. He has qualified you to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. The Apostle Peter testified to the same thing in 1 Peter chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again to a living hope, born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, 
to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Reserved in heaven for you. And what is the guarantee of that reservation? It's the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is your guarantee that there's an inheritance reserved for you in eternity. Book of Revelation, the Apostle John saw a vision of this very thing. And in Revelation chapter 5, he says, Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And it says that they sang a new song. And the song went like this. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And you have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. I'm talking this morning about an inheritance that only comes whenever you are sealed with the promise and the guarantee of God, the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. It's for you today. It's for everybody today. And every person that lives on the face of the earth, if they would be saved and make heaven, you must receive the gift of God's Spirit. We can be certain that it is our guarantee. Of our inheritance. Paul wrote to young Timothy. Who had a lot of things ahead of him still yet in life. And he says. For this reason I suffer also these things. Nevertheless I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able. To keep what I have committed to him. Until that day. There's something reserved in glory for you. I know there's people in the room this morning. In any room that we gather and do this sort of thing. I know there's people that you're facing circumstances in life that you wish could go away immediately. You wish that it didn't have to be so. You're not satisfied. You don't like where life is. You don't like what it looks like right now. There's pain. There's things that you're struggling and battling against. Circumstances maybe that are outside of your control. But I also know there's people in the room this morning there's people in any room where we do this sort of thing and there's ministry that's happening. I know that there's some people in this room that you're pretty happy about where life's at. And the preacher talking about heaven and talking about an eternal inheritance, that doesn't really move you. Life's pretty good. I'm healthy. I don't have any significant loss going on right now. I'm not stressed over my finances. I'm not stressed over my job. I'm not, you know, we, you can make the list. And maybe all in all, life's pretty good. And the thought of an eternal inheritance doesn't really sound that appealing. That's common today. We're the richest nation in the world. I know the news says a lot of things, but the facts are we are the richest nation in the world. The least wealthy person in the room this morning is still among the most wealthy people on the face of the earth in all of human history. We have it pretty good. 
That doesn't mean we don't have problems. It doesn't mean we don't have trials and pain. We don't suffer some things. But there's never been a generation that it's harder to preach about heaven to. Because I've just preached about it for about 10 minutes. <laughs> and I feel what I feel in the spirit right now. We talk about our eternal inheritance and how there's something better on the other side. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. Can we do something right now? Can we lift up our hands all over this place and just say, Lord, come back right now? Come on, would you say those words? This is, this is a little bit of a test. Can you say, Lord, I'm ready right now. Jesus, I'm ready. Come back right now. I'm ready to receive my inheritance. I want you to take me home. Lord, I'm ready for heaven. I'm ready for your presence. I'm ready to be with you. Lord, just let it happen right now. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Come right now. Come on, some, some are right there. Some are so ready because you're ready to be with him. Come on, there's something, there's faith that's leaping up in your spirit right now because you, you know that there's an inheritance that's waiting for you. Come on, sometimes we get so attached to the things that are going on in our life that we lose sight of how great the inheritance we have is. Come on, we have a taste of it right now. It's the guarantee of our inheritance. It's the gift of God's Spirit living inside of you. And if you've received the gift of God's Spirit in your life, you've got a little down payment, a guarantee of what your inheritance is going to be like. Hallelujah. Lord, I'm ready. Ooh. Hear me this morning. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not being harsh. I'm just being real. We get so attached to the things in this world and things going on in our life. Certainly. I hope God has blessed you with some things in your life that bring you joy. I hope that. I hope there's some things in your life that bring you joy. But it doesn't even start to compare. It doesn't even start to compare to what's going to be waiting for us on the other side of glory. Have you ever... Have you ever been making payments on something and not feeling like you're making a dent? And then have you ever been making payments on something and then you pay it off in full? You ever paid something off in full after making some payments? Doesn't it feel good? Yeah, it feels good. Once you receive the Holy Spirit, you don't have to make a payment anymore. 
whatever you've been dealing with in life, whatever sin keeps on hammering against your spirit, whatever you've been struggling with that's not pleasing to God, whatever it is that is unrighteous about you, when you're baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins and you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, something changes in your, in your life. And the scripture says that the old things are passed away. Everything becomes new. If I were to say it another way, I would say that thing you've been paying on and not feeling like you're making a dent when you receive the Holy Ghost, it's like getting that letter in the mail. It says, congratulations. You're paid in full. Except nothing that you sent in got the job done. There was someone who wrote in on your behalf. And he paid the whole bill. He paid the whole thing. You know what the result is as we all stand? You know what the result is? We just did a little bit of it just then. Here's what the result is. Whenever you get the revelation that that's what's happened to you in the spirit, whenever you are, when you take on the name of Jesus in baptism and you're filled with the gift of God's spirit, when you receive the revelation of what God has really done for you, Verse 14 of Ephesians chapter 1 says, The Holy Spirit is the inheritance, the guarantee of your inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. When you're born again of the water and of the Spirit and God makes the final payment, what you used to owe on is now paid in full. And what's more, God has given you the down payment guarantee of your inheritance. He hasn't just wiped out the record that stood against you, but he's, let, he's already paid the down payment in the house that you get to live in, in glory. And you know what the outcome is whenever we get a revelation of that? It says that we praise. To the praise of his glory. It says the natural outcome, the natural result, when I get a revelation of everything that he's done for me. That he paid it in full. That he said, you know what? Put it on my account. Send them that piece of certified mail. And tell them that everything's been paid off. And then slip something else in the envelope too. And tell them that there's a down payment on glory. That I'm going to give to them. It, all, it just brings us to a place where all we can do is praise. I, I want to tell somebody today, you don't have to limp or crawl your way into heaven, but you get to praise your way into heaven. Come on, I'm going to circle back to where I started at a minute ago. Sometimes we have to praise even when we don't feel like it. But when you get a hold of something that you know is true for a fact, and it gets down into your spirit. All of a sudden what you feel doesn't really matter anymore. Because I know for certain that he died for me. And he paid the price for me. And I have an inheritance waiting for me in glory. What else can I do but praise him?
Come on, there ought to be a praise that goes up in this place right now. That goes, that, come on, you know what it feels like to pay something off and to get that letter in the mail. There's a sense of peace. There's relief. Come on, there ought to be praise that rises up all across this house this morning that comes from a place of peace in the Spirit and relief that I don't have to live the way that I used to live anymore. I don't have to live where I used to live anymore. But there's an inheritance waiting for me in glory. Come on, these altars are open right now. Somebody needs to make a move toward God in this house right now. Come on, you need to do what I talked about just a little while ago. And you don't need to let the adversary play games in your mind, but you just need to take a step of faith and respond and say, God, this message is for me today. I have the privilege of praise this morning. I need your spirit today. I need you to do a work in my life today. Come on, nobody else needs to know what it is this morning. Nobody else needs to know what it is this morning.